0: afternoon, everyone. This is Marjorie Papp-Steinmetz inviting you and welcoming you to Caregiver Speak. Today we have a returning guest from last month, Jonathan Braddock. I'm just so delighted that he's coming back to us. We got so much great feedback on his show about planning for death could save your life. Um, I want to thank E-Care Diary, uh, the partner, who... Uh, Works with this show, the behind the scenes of the show, um, and I invite you to go to eCare Diary and to my website, mycaregivingcoach.com, for additional caregiving resources. Um, so, again, welcome. I'd like to introduce Jonathan Braddock to you again. He is an entrepreneur, author, speaker, founder, and CEO of My Life and Wishes an educational and digital planning platform whose mission, or that mission, is to help at least one million families become thoughtfully prepared for the inevitable, their own death. End-of-life planning is critical, and yet most people put it off and rarely discuss it with their families. John takes the subject of death and he makes it approachable, understandable, and yes, even funny. He's been featured on MSNBC and regularly contributes to Success.com and Inc.com. He's the author of Advisor and Vendor and Retirees, and his latest book, which is an Amazon bestseller, is titled Click Here When I Die. I've read the book and I heartily recommend it. It is a practical, and a very informative approach to planning, uh, for end-of-life planning. His website is www.mylifeandwishes.com. More information later uh, from Jonathan about how to contact him. And welcome back, John, to our second show.
1: Well, thank you so much, Marjorie. It's a pleasure to be back with you.
0: Well, I know I've been looking forward to our second installment. Uh, Today's topic is planning for the ultimate act of love. And for those of you who perhaps didn't hear our show or didn't get to the archive, um, just a, a quick look back at our last show. One of the most significant things that you mentioned, it was all significant, I have to say, but the thing that was really the linchpin of the show was when you described why planning for death today is far more critical than it was 30 years ago. Fill us in on a summary of that, John.
1: Sure. Um, well, it, it has to do with technology, I believe, today, and lifestyle. Uh, as an example, we're uh, live on the radio show today. Um, we're in two different parts of the country, um, and we're speaking to, to one another and, and broadcasting uh, out something that would have never been possible uh, you know, 30 years ago. What we discussed in the first show was, you know, in my case, growing up back in the, the 60s and 70s, when someone passed away, uh, you know, obviously it was hard, but it was relatively easy to settle all a person's final affairs. Uh, there was no Internet. There was no technology. Any bill or obligation that a person had would show up in the mailbox, that, that big thing that was down in front of the driveway that today pretty much is uh, a receptacle for junk mail, um, because most of us get our mail today in our, our inboxes uh, through technology. Everyone knew who the banker was. There was only one or two in town. Everyone knew where the documents were because you kept those in the desk drawer at home. And so when someone ultimately passed away, while a bit frustrating, the scavenger hunt to locate and gather the information could readily be completed pretty quickly within a matter of of, of maybe a month or so. Flash forward to today when technology has made our lives so simple, the converse is true that has made our departure uh, very complex because people need to be able to locate things. Personally, all of my bills come to my inbox uh, on my computer. And if someone doesn't know how to access that, it's gonna take an enormous amount of time for them to figure out how to get in and settle out uh, the, the bills and the accounts that come through. Do they know where all my documents are located? Do they know where all my bank accounts are? Retirement uh, programs, pensions, maybe other investments. I've lived in six different states. Um, we're very transient uh, as as we move around. And so today, if if death were to occur, as I mentioned in the first show, if something were to happen to myself uh, or Michelle my wife, our children would be at a complete and utter loss to locate you know, insurance policies. Do they have them? How do we find them? Do they have a safe deposit box? Where do we find it? Where's the key? Where's the proof of ownership documentation on, on the homes? Who's their accountant? Who's their attorney? My gosh, do they have a will? How do we find that? And for most people that scavenger hunt can last many months. And in some times, uh, up to several years, to finally close out one's final affairs. And the biggest takeaway of that for me is this, that when someone dies, it is a time of sadness and grief, which are perfectly normal. It's part of the healing process. But if we have not prepared today, what we're going to do is create frustration, stress, an enormous amount of time, and likely money uh, for someone to complete that, ultimate scavenger hunt and so the thoughtful thing to do is to have our ducks in a row if you will so that our families can move on with the grieving and sadness process
0: well thank you John that was a terrific summary and it's a perfect segue right into our topic planning for the ultimate act of love at the end of our last show you mentioned death etiquette and um, you know, it's, tell us about that, the link between the ultimate act of love and caring and death etiquette.
1: Well, uh, a few years ago, I really started thinking about death etiquette. And, you know, much like we discussed in the last show, Emily Post and mismanners and, and things of etiquette, I could find nothing anywhere regarding death etiquette. You know, it talked about, you know, proper etiquette for funerals and what to wear and flowers and how much lasagna to bring by to the, <laughs> to the survivors and those kinds of things. But it didn't speak to the topic. And so uh, I've actually trademarked the term death etiquette. And my definition, uh, which certainly can be improved probably, but at present, is death etiquette means being thoughtfully prepared for one's own death. Accordingly, making things easier for family and loved ones by leaving clear and concise instructions in regard to your final wishes or funeral desires, as well as location and access to all the important documents and accounts, and further identifying who should be responsible for carrying out the final wishes and ultimately settling all the final affairs. It is a simple act which saves loved ones stress, time, and money. Those are the things which divide families.
0: Yes, and that was so clear. And, but, you know, I'm sure, it, as it does to all of us, it seems a bit overwhelming. So how do you get started? Um, I would encourage everyone, by the way, to buy John's book, because it's a great checklist of the kinds of things he's just mentioned. But um, in addition to that, John, how do you get your mind around this? How do you get started?
1: Well, you know, it can be daunting or overwhelming. And so many people think, well, I'll get around to it. You know, it's it's one of those things like cleaning the house, right? It's like, you know, it's really dirty. I really don't want to do this. It's going to take Mm -hmm. me a long time. Well, when we think about it, well, it, you know, it's not going to take five minutes to clean the house, but it didn't take you five minutes to make your house that messy either. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, right. So, so, so I liken uh, end-of-life planning actually to uh, weight loss. I'm sure everyone out there listening has been on some kind of a weight loss program or a diet program at, at some point in time. If I were to go to a personal trainer today, and say, gosh, you know, I need to drop 20 pounds, and I want to do it by Friday. You know, you look at me like I'm insane. It's like, how long did it take you to put on that extra 20 pounds? A long time. We're not going to be able to get those 20 pounds off in a day. You won't wake up magically tomorrow and have it done, much like you can't wake up tomorrow morning and have all your planning done. But if we look at it like a weight loss program, because a good trainer will tell you this, you want to lose 10, 15, 20 pounds, let's do it in 60 to 90 days, a step at a time, a piece at a time. And you know what? 60 or 90 days from now, magically, you will wake up 15 or 20 pounds lighter by doing the right things. So I tell people, if you think about our lives, it took us all this time to accumulate and gather and have policies and documents and bank accounts and online presence and everything. It took a long time to build that up. It's going to take us some time to sort through that, but let's take it in one chunk at a time, step by step. And before you know it, depending on how much stuff you have, you know, in, you know, 30 days, 60 days, certainly 90 days, you can have all your affairs put together in order.
0: Great advice. That's terrific. I think I would tend to start with the easiest chunks first um, (laughs) and just get myself into the groove of it. Uh, But taking it a chunk at a time, no matter how you approach it, I think is great. So um, along the way, um, what is it that, people need to think about at a minimum. I mean, if you, if people out there are thinking, oh, you know, tell me what I need to do as a priority. What at a minimum do I need to think about?
1: Well, there's a, a few things. Um, the first one I would say, would, well, let's start with what happens first. <laughs> okay. Um, if I die today, my family has to do something with uh, – you know, this, this, this shell that once was my body. Okay. So the first thing is uh, funeral planning. Do you want to be buried or cremated? And you don't have to, when I say funeral planning, you don't have to pre-plan your funeral and pay for everything in advance. But what I'm saying is let someone know, do you want to be buried or cremated? A good friend of mine, Nick, had said to me in a conversation once he wished he had known mother had wanted to be cremated before he buried her, which is something he found out about a year after. And so now he lives with a memory of knowing that he really didn't honor his mother's final wishes. But it's mm-hmm. simply because, you know, mom wrote it down somewhere. and didn't tell anyone where it was. So think through the process. Do you want to be buried or cremated? What type of service? You know, religious or memorial service? Um, where do you want to have it done? Who should be presiding? Are there people we should notify in the event you die who might not see uh, an obituary, uh, an old college roommate, um, your alumni association, other places? Mm-hmm. List those things out. And step two is funding because, you know, end of life is not inexpensive. So how are we going to pay for the, the services? Uh, is there life insurance? Where do we find that? Are there other assets you want to use? Those are really the first couple of pieces that I think people should know. Um, and it doesn't have to be a hard conversation, but let people know. You know, the first thing is, you know, I want to be uh, cremated, and I have a life insurance policy with XYZ Insurance Company that will go ahead and, and pay for it.
0: That's great. The next you know, is- you mentioned, uh, I'm thinking back to my parents, who are both deceased, and, um, you know, back in that day and age, discussing these kinds of things, of course, was uh, something that they just didn't feel comfortable doing. But, but, to your point, my father said, our funeral plans are in the right top drawer of the desk, and they're labeled in a file. Well, and all the things that you've just mentioned, or many of the things, in that file so if people are sitting out there thinking oh you know this just doesn't feel good to me at this point at least to talk about this at least pointing people to the specific place they can go is worth everything
1: exactly Exactly. just providing a road map yes. saves so much time when you go from point A to B Without that roadmap, we get lost along the way, and it takes an enormous amount of time to get back on track. So if we provide that map, put it together, and, and you're right, people don't like to talk about it. Um, we discussed that a little bit last month. Um, mm-hmm. I still don't know why, but we should. But in any event, if, if we put our, our ducks in a row, here's my funeral desires, here's how it's going to be funded, I have a will, and here's where it's located, and here's a listing of all the financial accounts that I have, checking, savings, safe deposit box, where the key is located, government benefits, uh, and those kind of things, and list them out. Even if I put them in a file and put them in the drawer, you know, the conversation doesn't have to be that hard. When I talk to our children who are in their early 20s, they don't want to talk about death. You know, daddy, don't talk about that. It's like, look. It's going to happen to all of us at some point in time. Hopefully not for a very long time. But what I want you to know is this. When that day comes, if you go here, be it that upper right-hand desk drawer or wherever you put it, make sure someone knows. So go there. You'll find this file, this envelope. It will provide you everything you need to know. And that's it. It doesn't have to be a huge ordeal.
0: Yep. And, you know, another question that uh, comes up, I know because I just did this, um, people often think, as I used to think, well, once I've got a plan, that's it, isn't it? But, you know, the importance of updating those plans periodically is so important. What kind of advice do you have for that, John?
1: Well, my advice is to, you know, update it frequently and often. You know, people say, well, things don't change. Well, yeah, you know what? Things change, and they change rapidly. So wherever you have your information stored, keep it accessible so that you can continually update it. Um, Perhaps you have a new insurance agent or you've gotten a new insurance policy. Make sure it goes into the file. Um, If you've made a change of beneficiary, make sure it goes in the file. The biggest one today that we see for so many is our online accounts. So many of us do bill pay online. We pay our utilities, our our mortgage, perhaps newspapers, our email accounts, Gmail, Yahoo, Outlook, AOL. Um, How are people going to access that? Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. 90% of people over age 50 today, according to AARP, utilize technology. Equal number of that utilize social media, and that's 50 and older. Your passwords change. Make sure you change those passwords. You know, I pay my credit card online, but every 90 days, Citibank wants me to change my password. If I don't leave those instructions for family to be able to access those accounts and stop things that are on auto pay and auto draft, every month that goes by, that's more money or assets or resources that are being taken from my family.
0: That is so true. And you mentioned the bugaboo, my bugaboo at least, that whole thing about passwords. Do you have any tips for how – have not yet to meet a person who could explain how they keep their passwords in order. I'm kind of afraid to put them all in my phone, for example. So what what are some of your thoughts on that?
1: Well, there are some great solutions out there. There's – There's uh, password programs that are out there, such as uh, OnePash, uh, Dashlane, I think is another, uh, and two or three others that uh, effectively collects the data for all your your logins, creates unique uh, encrypted passwords, and you only have to remember one password, and that is into your uh, LastPass account so that you can access those. Uh, Michelle and I store all of ours in our platform uh, where we can go in, log in, and look up any of the accounts and see the passwords, uh, challenge questions, which are are big things, and and login credentials. And whenever one of our uh, online accounts requests a change to a password, we simply log in there and make that change. And then I don't really have to remember all of my passwords. All I have to do is remember how to get into my secure account where we keep all of our will and these other documents and passwords. And I go in there and keep it updated. And it works well for us because if something were to happen to me, Michelle would be able to go in and know all my passwords, how to get into my laptop, into my smartphone, into my tablet, and vice versa. good advice.
0: And ultimately yeah, I need to And do ultimately it. if um,
1: something If something happened to us, then our children would be able to access that.
0: Yes, you've given me a to-do item here. I've got some homework (laughs) here. (laughs) Thank you. So tell our listeners about your book, because I've alluded to it and how practical it is. But tell us more.
1: Well, thank you. Um, And click here when I die. I came up with the name really because I thought if someone saw that, like sitting on a table at like a Barnes & Noble or something, it would at least grab their attention enough to pick it up and read the back of the jacket on it. Um, You know, as as I think you can tell, I've got a bit of a sense of humor. And I wanted to just write a book to explain to people what the problem they are going to face we're all going to face this problem. They just don't realize it until they have the problem. So I figured if I write a book and at least get people to read it first, they'll realize they're going to have the problem and can, can move forward. And so in the book, I add, as you know, a tremendous amount of humor, uh, into, uh, the conversation. I talk about our story and, and what led up to this, uh, a lot of stories from different people, uh, across the country who, who I've spoken with in some of their uh, situations. We talk about, you know, insurance policies. We talk about wills and beneficiaries. And if you have minor children, the importance of having those kinds of things put together, uh, as well as some, some checklists and, and things that people should think about uh, getting, getting organized.
0: Okay. I especially love the checklists. I'm a big checklist person, so those were particularly helpful.
1: Yeah. Well, we do list out the, the must-dos and then and the should-dos. And I only get right. them as should-dos because I didn't want people to be overwhelmed by it, but, you know, they're all must-dos, really. <laughs>
0: right, yeah. But it's nice to have them in those compartments to know where to start. Back to one of my earlier questions about getting started. So I do think that that is so helpful, John. So I want to um, remind everyone about John's website. First of all, it's www.mylifeandwishes.com. And also remind everyone about the archives of his past show, which was on July the 10th, and then today's show will be archived as well. Uh, So either you can listen back to it or you can encourage friends to listen to both of the archives. Um, You know, all of this is especially important for caregivers. Give us just a couple of thoughts about that, John, because caregivers, you know, when you're... Forgiving for somebody, you're you're thinking, oh, I'm not. I don't want to think about this person dying. But what sort of thoughts do you have for caregivers today in regard to all of this? Well,
1: I think it's 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 ultimately important for the caregiver. I mean, they have a very uh, difficult task uh, in 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 caring uh, for someone to begin with, and. And then ultimately, if they don't have all the answers to the questions afterwards, that, uh, that tremendous struggle continues. So I think for the caregiver, it really helps them to be sure that they have all the information that they're going to need uh, to take care of things um, without having, you know, once the uh, individual is, has died, uh, having something linger on and on and on. And then also I think uh, the benefit for the caregiver, too, is it will help them think through and prepare for themselves so that if they're in a situation where they need care or ultimately pass away or die, their family and loved ones will have easy access to move forward. So it's, it's really a two-step process where we're, we're helping make it easier for the one we're caring for now, ultimately making it easier for us to deal with things after, as well as looking to the future and planning and preparing for when someone has to do that on our behalf.
0: Yeah, I would just say that, you you know, you're spot on with what you're saying and that, you know, planning for me, and I hope, I think, for other people, planning relieves stress. And stress is one of those things that caregivers carry almost constantly. This would be one way to relieve some of the stress and worry of what's to come. And so I think your points are so well taken. Now, I want everyone to know as we come to the end of our show, John has made a very generous offer. And so I want to give him some time to talk about how... um, you can access his book and an offer that he's making to you today. So, John, take it away.
1: Yes. Well, thank you, Marjorie, and, th- and thank you for uh, your your very kind comments about my book. My book is available on Amazon. Uh, simply go to, to Amazon and in the, the search bar just type in click here when I die, and uh, the book will come up. And for those that have Amazon Prime, you get – two-day free delivery uh, of the book, Uh, so I encourage people to uh, check that out. Uh, It's also available on uh, Kindle and e-readers if if someone prefers the digital version, but I'm so grateful for the opportunity to speak with you and, and all of those listening today that what I'd like to do is this. For... And and ultimately, those listening to this on archive won't have the same benefit. But for those of you who are with us this morning or this afternoon, wherever you are, what I would like to do is I'm going to personally autograph and send 10 copies of my book to the first 10 people who simply send me an email, indicate in there, and I'll respond back to you, but indicate in there that you listened to the show, you'd love a free copy of the book. Um, provide your, your mailing address, and I will send it uh, out to you within the next day or two. You can reach me at john, which is J-O-N, no H, john, at mylifeandwishes.com. A-N-D, so again, john at mylifeandwishes.com. The first 10 emails I get, I will autograph and send uh, a copy of my book out to you.
0: This is fantastic, and thank you so much, John. Once again, give him your email.
1: Yes, my email, again, is john, J-O-N, at mylifeandwishes.com. A-N-D
0: Perfect. Um, and John's website is www.mylifeandwishes.com. Um And I want to also note that John will be sending another blog uh, about these conversations that we've had and adding more to these conversations in the form of a blog. So we'll look forward to that as well, John. And thank you. You've just been a spectacular guest these last couple of months. We appreciate everything that you're doing. What an important... Important topic, and you've broken it down and given us some very user friendly ways to deal with the inevitable. So, thanks again. Thanks to our audience today.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Have a nice day, everyone. Goodbye.